0: John, what was your reaction when you saw the news yesterday? I know you were you were on the air finishing up your show. You were subbing for me and Seth. You and Sean Bajani were, and I know you were talking about J.J. on the show. What was your reaction when you saw the news about him hanging it up after the season's over?
1: Well, I talked to Sean about the Texans Should reach out to him, see if he wanted to play his last couple of years with the Texans, come home to Houston. And I sent him a text telling him what we were talking about, <laughs> and then I didn't get a reply. And as soon as we finished and uh, Brandon Scott and Brett Dolan were coming in and somebody sent me the text and I'm looking at it and when he announced that I sent him back thing I think I said never mind (laughs) and uh, we exchanged a couple of texts yesterday I can imagine how much he was getting bombarded by people not just all over the country but he had friends all over the world because he traveled quite quite a bit but I was surprised because he's healthy he has nine and a half sacks with two games left. His last two games have been his best this season, and uh, I thought he played just thirty three. You see defensive linemen playing until they're thirty five or six, and but I can understand him wanting to go out on top, and not with the Cardinals, of course, but personally, he's got his son, Koa. Uh, I'm interested to see if his wife, Kalea continues to play soccer if she retires they've got a great home in Arizona they love it out there you know his the world is his oyster he can take a year off or he can jump back in I know all the networks would be reaching out to try to hire him as a studio analyst and the one that should try the hardest to me is YouTube which is putting 2.5 million into getting the Sunday ticket and, and every time I look at Fox, I see Terry Bradshaw and Jimmy Johnson, and the youngest is Michael Strahan, and, um, and then CBS's pregame show. I'm thinking at some point they might want to get a little younger. And I'm not talking about with Tom Brady when he goes to Fox, because you know, he's let's see, 33, 14, he's 12 years older than Watt. Yeah. It just seems like Watt, not just for who he is and he's a great talker, but the fact he is younger. And everybody wants younger viewers and listeners and maybe he would help bring those to whatever platform they had of him, but I could certainly see him as a studio analyst doing a tremendous job.
0: Okay, that's what I was going to ask you, John. I mean, he's going to get plenty of offers to do TV. A lot of guys do when they're that caliber of player. Not, not all of them wind up being good. Why do you think J.J. would be good at TV? Because
1: he's very smart, and he knows situations – he knows how to read a room. He was very careful when he ta- when he spoke to us for ten years. But he was what came out of his mouth to me was great. It was informative, and sometimes it was entertaining. Sometimes it was most entertaining when they got beat, and he was so upset. He was a man of few words. A lot of words were spoken by just his actions, and uh, I think that he'll be like say Troy Aikman. When Troy Aikman and Tony Romo, when they took jobs with the network, all the media that covered them said, these guys are going to be terrible. We've got nothing but pablum for them for their careers. And then they get on TV when they no, they're not going to play again, and they're really good. And I think Watt, who's very analytical and is informative, and I think that he would just be tremendous
0: uh, analyzing NFL games, players, and coaches. Would you, as a consumer – as a viewer, would you rather see J.J. Watt in a studio setting or doing color analysis on actual games? Studio setting,
1: because I don't think he'd want to work as hard as it takes to be a play-by-play guy. I mean, or color analyst on a week, because then you know you got to go on the road every week. You've got to go to the city early. You got to meet with people, and uh, then you got to do your homework all week and have meetings on Zoom, where if you're a studio guy, you just go to the studio the day before. And you all those shows are rehearsed. The public thinks they just walk out there and start talking. Almost every line is written for them by writers. And uh, they've practiced it. And when I see them, they do most do a great job. I used to think Chris Berman and Tom Jackson, knowing they had rehearsed, did a great job of making it look like it was spontaneous and And I think J.J. would fit right in with the studio. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is the best guy on uh, Amazon's show. And I could certainly, if Jeff Bezos wanted J.J. Watt for once a week, he could pay him anything it took. And I don't know if Fox would do it. They're going to pay Brady $37.5 million whenever he retires. But I think J.J. can pick what he wants to do.
0: Oh, he uh, J.J., they should just get rid of Tony Gonzalez and plug J.J. Watt in right there. Well, he can't
1: is... get rid of Tony Gonzalez. Why? Tony, Tony Gonzalez... Has a child with Jeff Bezos's girlfriend, uh, Rosalyn Sanchez. Yeah, Google it. That's been out there for a long time. It's Je- and Tony they're really Gonzalez good friends.
0: Tony Gonzalez and Jeff Bezos are Eskimo brothers? And they're really good friends. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah, um, I
1: heard about it and I told my wife. She said I'd been out there for a couple of years. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Carol's plugged into the uh, the pop culture news cycle way more than we are. Um, so a lot to a lot to still unpack here with JJ John. Um, it sounds like you think TV could be in his future. Certainly, offers will be. What is his What is his legacy here? It's it's probably the most multi layered legacy, maybe of any athlete in the last twenty years. I was asked by a TV show uh,
1: on Tuesday about. The Mount Rushmore of Houston athletes, and you know there's been many. Mm-hmm. And I saw right off the bat, you have Earl Campbell, Nolan Ryan, and Akeem Olajuwon. And I think White would be the fourth, not just because of how great he was. But in a four-year period, he was the best pass rusher in history, and over a six-year period, he was just behind Reggie White, and not nobody else can make that claim. And people say, well, he had a lot of injuries. He's going to be healthy for eight full seasons of his twelve. And I think because of everything he did off the field, and I've never seen an athlete want to spend as much time as Watt did. I asked him early in his career, why do you do so many things in the community? He said, Well, I'm single. I don't want to go to bars and clubs, and I don't want to sit around watching Sports Center on my sofa every night. So I want to get out and do things, to try to help people. And then when I get married, I'll sit on the sofa and watch Sports Center. And I thought, you know, that said a lot about him. That might have been in like 2012. And there's so many things that I know he's done in the community, a bunch he didn't want me to use when I asked him about it. At one point, Sean, it got where people would email me. I remember a firefighter one time said they had had some kind of problems. Maybe somebody got burned or their place, got on fire, something. He showed up unannounced. With a bunch of food, and hung out with him for a couple of hours. Brought him a bunch of text and stuff. And the guy, the firefighter, thought I'd like to write about it. And I asked what and he asked me not to. And I said, "Why?" He said, "Because people think I told you, and I don't." It gets right now; it gets out. People think I'm the one releasing it, and I'm not. He's and I've found out since then all these things that he did that and many others we still don't know about when I found out Tuesday is he used to get up on Christmas morning and go to uh Texas children's hospital with presents and meet kids and their parents and spend, hmm. spend time with them before he went on to do his own Christmas. And so I think because of that, plus the fact that he's uh, right up there, he, let's see Houston has in the pro football of fame, outside linebacker, Robert Brazil, nose tackle, Curly Culp, defensive end, uh, Elvin Bethay, they're all in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Watt will be in on the first ballot. And I covered those guys. And and I would have to say that Watt is the best defensive player I've ever covered. And uh, he's right up there with the greatest I've covered in 51 years, and that'd be Reggie White, Lawrence Taylor, Bruce Smith, Aaron Donald. And I think Watt's right up there right behind Reggie white and right with Lawrence Taylor, Reggie to me is the greatest I've ever seen. He was getting double figure sacks when he was like 37 years old.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and, and yeah, durability was huge with Reggie white, no doubt about that. And John, that's what I, you know, with JJ, I mean, there's so many things to dig into, but as far as the, the play on the field goes, um, yeah, I mean the the four seasons from 2012 through 2015 is going to be the crux of his Hall of Fame candidacy and I know you've said he's going to go in on the first ballot. I think I'm just as impressed with his ability in 2018 to come back from all of those injuries that he'd had over that two-year period. You know, he he had the the herniated discs in his back that he needed fixed. He had his injury that he suffered in the playoff game against Kansas city, where he had to be helped off the field because he tore all the core muscles away from his pelvis. He had a broken hand that year in 2015. Um, Not to mention just probably all the little dings and bumps that you get as a football player. And then the following year in 2016 or in 2017, um, after he had to leave the 2016 season because of the back um, he, he had that tibial uh, plateau fracture where he missed the rest of that season. John, the fact that he came back in 2018 from all those injuries and was a first-team All-Pro once again is, is to me, just as impressive as the Defensive Player of the Year seasons that he'd had between 2012 and 2015. If I'm still alive and making his presentation, I
1: won't bring up any injuries unless anybody else does, and I'll point out... He played eight full seasons, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame that didn't play eight full seasons, and I'll use that six period. Six years, his best six years of his career, he had 94.5 sacks. The only player in history with more. Reggie White with 99. And I told Watt now, I said, you need to get five in these last two games so you can pass Reggie White. Number three to them is Lawrence Taylor. 87 and a half, number four, Bruce Smith, 84, number five, Aaron Donald, 81, taking the best six years of their career. And, of course, J.J. was a great player, not just playing outside. People think of him as being an edge rusher. Well, he's 6'6 and 290, and he played tackle a lot. He got double teamed. He got cut. I remember seeing him in the locker room a lot, and his legs and just be black, when people had used their helmets to hit him in the legs, trying to block him low, and he would get hit high, low. A lot of times it was illegal. People got rid of it, and I'll never forget. Bengals were on hard knocks, and there was an offensive line meeting, and they were they were not playing the Texans. They were playing somebody else, and Watt's name came up. And listening to the line coach and the assistant line coach and those players talking about Watt. Was amazing, and they couldn't quit talking about him, even though he wasn't the wasn't up the team they were playing. And <laughs> he got universal respect, and uh, I think. A lot of it, most of it is because he, I wouldn't say that. I'd say a lot of it was because of his performance, but the things he did off the field are legendary. And he's been blessed. You know, how many defensive linemen get to host Saturday night live? Mm -hmm. How many defensive linemen host the CMAs? You know, he's, he has taken advantage of his notoriety. He's been in five or six movies. A couple of times he said he, he was offered parts, not playing himself, not playing a, football player but he couldn't do it because it would take up too much time of the off season Hmm. when he had to be working out and uh so maybe he'll do that he's too big to play you know a, a romantic uh situation comedy or a love story but he could certainly be a villain a guy that big would you like if you were like a drug dealer and he had a guy behind him looking oh, like that. Oh yeah, some muscle. I think you're going to do whatever he wanted, muscle. He could do that or he could be a bodyguard for a good guy in a comedy.
0: There and you I go. think
1: we will see JJ in some movies.
0: Uh it's it's a remarkable career he's had, John, just to, as you point out, like the the off the field stuff, there's a couple great anecdotes that Mark Berman was able to get from Gary Kubiak that I just wanted to to read, And these are probably ones that you've heard before too, but I've got them in front of me because Berman tweeted them out yesterday. Um, he said Gary Kubiak, he talked to Kubiak, Berman did, and it was during the player interviews at the Combine in 2011 when he realized J.J. Watt could be special. Here's the quote. One of the first things I remember about J.J., I was like, whoa, this guy's going to be pretty good. We're in Indianapolis, we're interviewing him. And Bill Kolar, former defensive line coach, could be very, very hard on these guys that he's interviewing. And Bill's whole mentality was, I want to see how hard this guy plays and how much football means to him. So when Bill would interview these kids, Bill would attack them a little bit from the standpoint, I don't think you play hard. I've never seen a young man respond like J.J. did in the interview. He got so red, he stood up for himself. He came back at Bill and said, I play hard all the time you won't ever have to worry about me playing hard. It was a response like, I'm going to kick your ass, old man. When he left the room that day, me, this is Kubiak talking, me and Wade Phillips and Bill are sitting there like, oh, my God, this old boy is going to be a hell of a player. He about kicked your ass, Bill, when he walked out of there,
1: end quote. (laughs) He and and Kolar became so close, he was devastated when Kolar went to Denver. Kubiak let him out of his contract – and Bill not only was a great player, but he was a tremendous defensive line coach. And it's so funny the Texans didn't want him. They wanted Alden Smith. Wade wanted Alden Smith, third year sophomore from uh, Missouri. And the 49ers traded ahead of the Texans because they thought Wade would be pushing for a pass rusher to get Alden Smith. And they kind of got stuck with jj hmm. and uh, they said that wade got up on the table with rick smith to push jj and it turned out to be good because even though alden smith was great early he had a lot of drug and alcohol problems that curtailed his career big time
0: yeah it's hard to imagine this city and that team without jj watt for the decade that he was here no doubt about it. and that john that wound up being an incredible draft the 2011 draft the I, I was looking at it a little bit earlier I'm going to bring that draft up again when we do for real or Fugazi in a little while, but it's incredible how many, I know the pro bowl is what it is, but it is an indicator of something um, like the first 20 players picked in that draft. There's only like four that didn't make it to a pro bowl at some point in their career. And there's a handful that are going to be hall of famers. I got one more from Berman. Jeez, these stories are so good. I just I don't want to read the second one here. Um, this is from Gary Kubiak via Mark Berman. Um, Kubiak recalls the powerful message Watt's dad, J.J.'s dad, shared with the Texans when the Watt family met with the team the day after J.J. was drafted. Quote, after J.J. shook everybody's hands and said, thanks for drafting me, we said, welcome to Houston. And all the cordial stuff, stuff in parentheses, That sounds like Kubiak might have cursed. Um, they started to walk out of the room, the whole family, and the dad kind of lingered in the back like I'm going to be the last one out of the room. So the whole family had left the draft room and his dad stops at the door. His dad's a very impressive man. I remember JJ's dad said, Hey fellas, he's talking to about 30 guys in the room. Kubiak says, he says, thanks for seeing in my son, what I've seen in him for the last 20 years, he will not let you down. And then he walked out of the room and I looked at everybody Kubiak saying this. And I said, Holy bleep, we got the right guy. That was powerful.
1: That's funny because he was a pizza delivery man who had a rack, ate up all the pizza he's supposed to be delivering, <laughs> was a two-star athlete coming out of high school, and went yeah. to Central Michigan on a tight end. It's one of the all-time great success stories. I remember when he won, one of those defensive player of the years. might have been the first one, I'm not sure, somebody went to Wisconsin and found the guy that ran the pizza place that told Waddy never amount to anything.
0: Hold up. The guy guy, was very gracious. The pizza guy told JJ he would never amount to anything?
1: Uh, Yeah, because he had a wreck, and he called his parents to come help him. And while he was waiting... He ate all the pizzas he's supposed to be delivering.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's hardly a reason to say that the kid's going to be a loser in life. He got Never hungry. amount to anything. Can't oh. even
1: deliver pizzas.
0: Dude, that, that, that particular pizza guy, not a good eye for talent. Not a good talent evaluator, John. <laughs> My favorite
1: story of all the ones that I know about J.J., and I've got a lot of them on uh column that I wrote for Gallery Sports that's posted was, the one where the little girl was crying and her mom asked her, why was she crying? And she said, cause I, I'll never be able to marry JJ Watt family were Texans fans. And so the mom thought that was cute and got her phone and recorded it, put it on social media. And somehow it made its way to somebody close to JJ and he showed it to him. And it ended up with the family loading up the car and telling the kids they were going to nrg stadium to buy some tickets to a concert one and so they're walking up and instead of going to the ticket office they walk into the lobby and there's Watt with a jersey and uh, a pr guy holding up his laptop he clicks on here comes the bride Watt gets down on one knee, asks her to marry him, gives her the jersey to wear, picks her up, dances around the room, and little girl's in shock and the parents are sobbing. And I'm thinking, who does that? Yeah. You know, who takes the time to do something like that? And he did. Many things like that were one time he showed up at a birthday party in a backyard for some teenager because somebody had gotten in touch with him and asked him. And I never forget, he came back from Great Britain on a trip and he put a lot of pictures out like he always did. And some kid from Ireland told him sent a thing to the Texans, the mail got to him, it was a letter, not an email, and said, if you ever come back to Great Britain and you come to Ireland, here's my number, come meet me and my parents, we'll cook a meal or have a pint. So the next year, they went back, and guess what? He showed up there, he met them, they showed him around Ireland, he flew the family over here, uh, put them up so they could watch him and the Texans play, and I just like who does those kind of things?
0: Yeah, that's – yeah, J.J. Watt, that's who. Um, so, John, he's going to go in the Hall of Fame in 2028. Um, <laughs> I guess, what, week one of next year for the Ring of Honor, as soon as possible if you're the Texans? <laughs> Better be the first game, I'm guessing. I'm probably – I'm guessing that
1: that uh, Greg Grissom, the Texans president, who oversees that side of the organization, probably reached out – to Watt or somebody close to Watt as soon as he saw that tweet to uh, get him back so they can put him in the ring of honor with Andre Johnson and Bob McNair.
0: Mm. Now they play, I'm trying to think of the schedule here, John. They play the NFC North, AFC North next year and I believe they play Pittsburgh at NRG Stadium. So how about that? How about the Pittsburgh game? That's my prediction, John. J.J. Watt goes into the Ring of Honor for the Pittsburgh Steeler game, the team both his brothers play for.
1: The NFL loves to do things that are special. And if somebody brings that up to the NFL, in fact, I'm going to bring it up to a guy in the NFL. They don't do the schedule for a while, but that would be a great way to open the season and make it a primetime game, put it on Amazon. They were on Amazon once this year. You you can't wait till later because they might be bad, really bad again. It wouldn't be the same. Do it early. Do it the first game when there's going to be a buzz, hopefully with a franchise quarterback like Bryce Young, and you bring J.J. back in a game in which his brothers are on the opposite sideline.
0: Yeah, it'd be amazing. Great idea. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. Yeah, like for those who don't, know how that works like how do we know we know 90 percent of the schedule in terms of who a team plays that's we know that in perpetuity for as long as they stay at 32 teams we know who most of the opponents are going to be and where they're going to play every year it's just the variable games that need to be slotted two or three of those and then the schedule obviously gets made in in may the actual like the the win of each of the games but we already know that the texans in 2023 play the AFC North. And how do we know it's at NRG Stadium? Well, because when the two when the divisions crossed over last time was the COVID year and the Texans played up at what was then Hines Field. I forget what it is now. But uh yeah, get John, give them that idea. You don't even need to footnote it and give me credit for it. You can have that. I want you to have that, John.
1: Or or they could have them play, you know, there's that extra NFC team, have them play Green Bay since he's from Wisconsin.
0: Okay, that is slotted, too, though. That is based on – I don't want to bore the audience too much. It's based on the NFC division you crossed over with two years ago, the team that corresponds with your spot in the standings. That's why the Texans played Chicago this year. Well, that ain't happening, man. Never mind. Well, yeah, well, yeah, no, probably, probably not. Not, Now that that the Packers are winning again, probably not. (laughs) Probably not.